Those are moments that bring a team together throughout a season. And that group of guys that were on the ice takes a lot of pride in being those guys that make things happen. To come back and celebrate at the bench with those guys and see how excited they are, that's a special feeling as well. Those are moments that bring a group together and we try to embrace it. That was Tori Krug after Saturday's 5-4 comeback win over the Minnesota Wild. I, for one, am still smiling after that victory. Uh, it was so fun to watch, and we'll get into that in a moment. But first, I'd like to welcome you to the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. This is episode 41. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your favorite hockey team every single day. If you'd like to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at LO underscore Boston Bruins. My name is Ian McLaren. I am your host, and you can find me on Twitter at Ian C. McLaren. Uh, please also download, listen, rate, and review the show wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, subscribe, and please also tell your friends and Boston Bruins-loving family members about this daily podcast about your favorite hockey team. Today on the podcast, like I said, we'll take a look back at Saturday's crazy win over the Minnesota Wild. It is Monday, so we will also do the Atlantic Division Power Rankings and then finally take a look around the NHL at some news and notes. Before we get into that, I just want to let you know about DoorDash, where you can treat yourself to the meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you. Right now, Locked On Boston Bruins listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code LOCKEDON. If you can't download DoorDash right now, you can find this and all other offers from Locked On sponsors at LockedOnPodcasts.com slash offers. Let's go back to Saturday's game. Uh, we recall a couple weeks ago the Bruins were on the other side of a wild comeback win against the Florida Panthers where they surrendered a four-goal third-period lead and eventually lost in a shootout. Um, it wasn't that big of a comeback for the Bruins on this night in terms of deficit, but uh, it was no less thrilling for the team that came out on top. Uh, trailing by two with just under two minutes to go in the third period, David Krejci scored twice to send the game to overtime. And then Tori Krug finished it off with an end-to-end rush, slicing through all three Minnesota Wild players who seemed content to sit back and watch. And then, uh, yeah, putting it behind Alex Stalock for the goal. Uh, what a wild win. Pardon the pun. Actually, don't because it's very intentional. Krug, of course, was playing in his first game since returning from injury. Uh, he was missed five previous games. Did not look rusty at all. He started behind the Bruins goal line. Like I said, snaked his way through the neutral zone. Turned on the Jets. Right in front of the wild blue line, charged toward the net as he saw um, the wild kind of parting like the Red Sea in order to uh, let him go basically untouched uh, and put the goal backhand through Alex Stalock's five hole. Uh, Krug said, I get a lot of breakaways, so instincts kicked in. I wanted to come up a little bit slower, see what my options were. Came up the left side a little to mess with Zach Parise's gap. And once I took a couple hard strides and realized I could beat him, parting of the sea, uh, his words, not mine, but that's a great way to put it. Uh, Marshan and Pratt 
Bergeron drew some attention as well. All of a sudden, I was in alone. So that's kind of the thought process. He said, I felt some pressure, felt like I was going on my backhand the whole time and figured I was going fast enough that maybe the five hole was open. Luckily, it squeaked in eventually. Um, I don't want to take any uh, credit away from David Krejci, who scored the two goals to get the Bruins into overtime, as well as Tuka Rask's uh, amazing save off Jason Zucker, who came in on a, a breakaway in the third period. Uh, Krejci said, we've been all been in this situation before. All six guys in the ice, we've been here a long time. Once in a while, we practice that, and even if you don't, we all know each other and what we can do. When there's six of us against four guys, experience for sure plays off. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this team has been through a lot together. The um, core guys who are out there, Marshan, Bergeron, Pasternak, she added, we stuck with it. We talked about it before the third period when they were down. Uh, we just play the way we're supposed to play, and the bounces are going to go our way. We're a good enough team. We just have to play the way we can play, and that's what happened. Uh, Rask was also uh, stellar in net. He wasn't supposed to start this one, actually. Yaroslav Halak had been penciled in, but he came down sick prior to the game. So Rask stepped in and did not disappoint. Uh, like I said, he made that save on the Zucker breakaway with just over three minutes to go to keep the game at a two-goal deficit. He also made another uh, key stop just over 20 seconds before Krug's winner. Um, Cassidy said he went in and did a great job pinch hitting. He had some tough luck around the net earlier in the game, uh, but he made that breakaway stop, and that could be it. The Bruins earlier in the game uh, found themselves in a lot of penalty trouble. They actually had seven minor penalties called against them, so giving the Wild seven power plays. Wild only scored on two of them, but um, obviously that extended amount of time on the penalty kill is going to suck some energy. Uh, Cassidy said he'd never seen a game like that where you're given seven in a row. Uh, typically, the games get out of hand. You've got roughing calls. You start acting goofy. But we got our power plays at the end, and um, they were able to capitalize on those. It's hard for a guy like Pasternak, DeBrus, Krejci, Guys who don't kill the penalty to kind of stay fresh, get in the game. They get frustrated. They want to get out there, and as soon as their line is up, there's another penalty. It disrupts the whole flow. So that definitely hurt the Bruins early on. Uh, but they eventually got through it and were able to make good on uh, their opportunities late in the game. Just take a quick look at the Bruins' uh, stats now that that game is over. Marchand now leads the team in scoring with 39 points through 23 games. Pasternak, of course, uh, still leads the team in goals and leads the league in goals with 20 uh, through the same amount of games. That's two more than Connor McDavid, four more than Leon Dreisaitl, Marchand, and Austin Matthews. Uh, in terms of the points race, Marchand is third in the NHL in scoring, uh, but he's eight points behind Connor McDavid for second and nine points behind league leader Leon Dreisaitl. With the win, the Bruins improved to 15-3-5 on the season, 35 points through 23 games. Uh, we'll get into that more in a moment in terms of how they stack up against the um, Atlantic Division competition. Coming up this week, they have three games on tap. 
including a uh, afternoon game on Friday for Black Friday against the New York Rangers. Prior to that, they're doing a brief Eastern Canadian road trip where they will take on the Montreal Canadiens in Montreal on Tuesday and then head to Ottawa for a game against the Senators on Wednesday. And then, like I said, back in action on Friday afternoon against the um, Rangers in the 2019 NHL Thanksgiving showdown on NBC. For that game, the Bruins released on Sunday a new all-black alternate jersey highlighted by a gold block B as the centerpiece, uh, one single gold and white stripe around the elbows and the bottom of the sweater, and an all-gold collar with gold lettering to match the Bruins' current jersey. Uh, the sleeve and hem stripes are inspired by the Bruins' unique number front jerseys from 1940 to 1948. Uh, President Cam Neely said, I'm a big fan of our black, so it started there. The 2019 Winter Classic jersey, how that be looked, I think it really had a nice prominent look to it. They started looking back at the history of the team and what marks they've used historically, and he wanted to bring that into the present day as well. Neely added, I think it's good for our players to understand the history of our organization, and I wanted it to be very clean and simple and have that be really be the primary focal point of the jersey. I was kind of hoping for more of a 1990s throwback look. I know a lot of people were uh, clamoring for the uh, old shoulder pad bear to be the the prominent logo as well, but I would have settled for uh, for that look with a gold spoke to be but uh, i do really like these jerseys and i'm excited to see them in action on friday against the new york rangers coming up next let's take a look at the atlantic division power rankings kicking it off in the number eight spot as they have been for a few weeks now is the detroit red wings they've played 26 games they're 7 16 and 3 they have a point percentage of 327 and a league low goal differential of minus 39. So pretty much as bad as it gets in the NHL uh, this season. Uh, they have the fewest amount of points. Uh, and yeah, definitely looking to be in line for a top draft pick coming up in June. We won't get it too much into the Red Wings other than to say they just pretty much think. In the seventh spot will be the somewhat surprising Ottawa Senators. They've played 23 games. They have 23 points, 11, 11, and 1. Uh, doing better than most people thought. A lot of people expected them to be in the 8th uh, spot in the you know 31st in the NHL based on the fact that they're clearly uh, rebuilding and gunning for a top pick this year. Uh, but, you know, they're... Playing well, they're seven and three in their last ten games. They've won three in a row, and they're actually sort of hanging around in the playoff race as well. They're only uh, four points back of the Philadelphia Flyers for the second wild card spot. Uh, so the Ottawa Senators proving some people wrong at this point in the season, led by first year head coach DJ Smith, who of course was behind the bench with the Maple Leafs uh, last season, uh, but. Um, I wouldn't expect the Senators to be in playoff contention when it's all said and done, but uh, we'll give them the benefit of the doubt uh, at this point right now. And, 
you know, they're comfortably in seventh, uh, which is probably where they'll stay for the rest of the season, uh, all things considered. Here's where things get interesting once again from the sixth spot up. I'm going to slot the Buffalo Sabres in sixth this week. 11-9-3 record with uh, 25 points through 23 games, a 543 point percentage. Uh, they have a negative goal differential of minus one. Uh, they have won one game uh, in a row. Not really in a row, but they won their last game. They're 2-7-1 in their past 10 and uh, really struggling as of late after their really great start. And I believe um, they will eventually fall down to uh, sixth when it's all said and done. Uh, so I'm going to put them there this week. Coming in at number five will be the revitalized Toronto Maple Leafs. They're 2-0 in the uh, Sheldon Keefe era after firing Mike Babcock. We'll talk a little bit more about Babcock coming up in the news and notes section. Uh, they are 11-10-4 with a 520 point percentage. They still have a negative goal differential. Uh, they're outside of the playoff picture, but they really seem like a different team under Sheldon Keefe. And uh, I would expect them to continue to rise in the standings from this point forward. Uh, one thing holding them down right now is the fact that they've played 25 games. So that's like f- five more than the Tampa Bay Lightning. And they're only two points up on the Lightning in the overall standings. So that's why I'm putting them uh, in the fifth spot at this point. Um, in number four, I'm going to put the Montreal Canadiens. They're 11, 7, and 5, 27 points through 23 games. Uh, they did lose their last game uh, after being up, I believe, 4-0 and 5-3 against the Rangers, and they weren't able to pull that out. Uh, they have some significant injuries to Jonathan Drouet and Paul Byron right now. It's really hurting their depth up front. Um, they do have a plus-5 goal differential, uh, but I see them taking some steps back in the coming weeks with uh, their injury issues. The Tampa Bay Lightning, I'm putting in third. They're 11-7-2 through 20 games, 600 point percentage. They have a plus uh, nine goal differential. Uh, If you look at the Atlantic Division standings by points, they're in sixth with 24 points. However, like I mentioned, they have uh, three games in hand on the Sabres, who are only one point ahead of them. They have five games in hand on the Maple Leafs, who are uh, two points ahead of them. They have three games in hand on the Canadians, who are only three points ahead of them as well. Um, That plus nine goal differential is good for second in the Atlantic behind only the Bruins. And I really believe that uh, the Lightning uh, are on the rise now and will uh, kind of make good on those games in hand and continue to rise the standings uh, moving forward here Uh, it's a better team than they have shown early on Um, and once they settle in after this trip to Sweden a couple weeks ago that um, you know gave them a bit of a break uh, we'll start to see the real lightning uh, here moving forward and uh, it's shaping up to be a tight race between one and four I believe uh, with the number two team right now being the Florida Panthers they're 12 7 and 5 29 points, a 604 point percentage, so just marginally better than the Lightning. They do have a minus one goal differential, but their underlying numbers, as I've been talking about 
are quite strong. Again, the issue with this team is goaltending. They have a very low PDO of, what is it, at 9.69. So if they're able to get uh, some better goaltending from Bobrovsky or even goaltending that is league average, they'll continue to rise. They are a positive possession team, uh, great on uh, special teams, and I really think that they will be hanging around for a while uh, to decide the second, third, or fourth spot in the Atlantic Division. Um, and that would mean your number one team again this week is our Boston Bruins. 15-3-5, like I said, 35 points, 761 point percentage. They are uh, tops in the NHL with a plus 23 goal differential. That's five better than the Pittsburgh Penguins. Their 35 points are two back of the uh, Washington Capitals for most in the NHL, and the Bruins have two games in hand. They're tied with the Oilers, and they also have three games in hand on them. Uh, so uh, point percentage-wise, the Bruins are the top team in the NHL right now. Uh, actually, no. Sorry, they're second behind the New York Islanders, who are 16-3-2 and two and riding this uh, ridiculous uh, point streak of theirs, 8-0-2 in their last 10 games, and I think their point streak is up to 16 games or something like that. Uh, so that's the power rankings for this week. Detroit, Ottawa, Buffalo, Toronto, Montreal, Tampa Bay, Florida, Boston. And uh, you know what? I would bet next week it'll look like uh, Montreal swapping with Toronto and Tampa Bay swapping with Florida, where we have uh, Toronto, Tampa, Florida, Boston. That's my... That's what I think it'll be like uh, this time next week. But again, tune in next Monday to get the latest Atlantic Division power rankings from the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. I mentioned Mike Babcock in a previous segment. And now that he's been fired for a few days uh, by the Maple Leafs, there's some stories coming out about um, kind of his approach as head coach of the Maple Leafs. And I'm sure you've all seen the bashing on Twitter from Mike Commodore, uh, who had major issues with the way uh, Babcock treated him in Detroit. Uh, Mark Fraser, a former NHL defenseman, defended Commodore on Twitter and uh, put out a tweet thread of his own saying that 95% of Babcock's players can't say a good thing about him and that uh, Babcock used his power to turn teammates against each other. And Terry Koshin of the Toronto Sun, he told a story um, where he said, one tale was related to us in the past few days that is said to have occurred in the 2016-17 season during the annual father's trip. Koshin writes, Bobcock was alleged to have asked one of the Leafs rookies to list the players on the team from hardest working to those who, in the eyes of the rookie, didn't have a strong work ethic. The rookie did so not wanting to upset his coach, but was taken aback when Babcock told the players who had been listed at the bottom. Uh, So really dicey uh, methods there used by Mike Babcock. Um, You know, that's somewhat uh, abusive in some ways to treat an 18-year-old like that, to put him on the spot like that in front of guys who have been in the NHL for years. Um, I can imagine 
Mitch Marner, who is reported to have been that rookie by Ian Graff of The Athletic. Um, you know, that's obviously not going to leave a good impression on an impressionable young player. Uh, certainly may have had a hand in Marner's contract situation this past uh, offseason, although um, you'd have to wonder why Dubas would have kept Babcock around after last season if he knew that it would be more difficult to sign Mitch Marner long-term. Uh, obviously, there was some disconnect between Dubas and Babcock, and uh, I don't know if it was coming up from on high. Shannon, Brendan Shanahan, who was a former uh, player of Babcock's, may have been in his corner, um, but really messy situation there, and uh, I feel terrible for Mitch Marner for having gone through that. I, I can't imagine having been put on the spot, say, as a new employee at a, at a company where you have to uh, make a list like that and people are uh, made aware of that list in front of you. Um, people who have been with the company for, for years and years be very uncomfortable and, and I feel bad for Marner that he had to go through that. Uh, I can see why there would be a weight lifted off the player's shoulders with Babcock being removed if that's just one instance. Uh, I'm sure it's not isolated within hockey culture. Uh, in fact, there's been stories on Twitter of similar things or just kind of validating the fact that this is a prevalent approach in hockey culture or similar tactics are employed around the league. Uh, that doesn't excuse it by any means. It, it makes it worse. Uh, and hockey culture is certainly problematic, as we've seen in recent weeks with uh, Don Cherry being let go by CBC. Uh, he's emblematic of those issues. Uh, but um, at least one team has taken the steps to replace uh, Babcock and try to improve the culture in there probably too little too late. I'm sure management was aware of this was going on. They didn't do anything. Uh, a bad look on them uh, for allowing Babcock to employ those methods. But um, again, it looks like the Leafs are reinvigorated under head coach Sheldon Keefe. And I, th I think they're really going to show uh, how vital he is to their success moving forward now that Babcock is gone. Another thing I wanted to mention was Blues defenseman Robert Bertuzzo received a four-game suspension from the NHL for cross-checking Nashville Predators winger Victor Arvidsson. Arvidsson will be out four to six weeks with a lower body injury as a direct result of that uh, incident. It's a real slap on the wrist for Bertuzzo. He has a history of questionable hits. He was suspended last year, two preseason games, and one regular season game for elbowing uh, Michael Kempney of the Washington Capitals. Uh, he's been fined in the past for repeatedly cross-checking New York Islander center Brock Nelson. Received a two-game suspension in 2014 for a late hit on Yarmir Yager. Uh, the Predators will now be without one of their better forwards for over a month while Bertuzzo will only miss four games. If you remember last week, uh, Capitals forward Garnet Hathaway was suspended three games for spitting at uh, defenseman Eric Goodbranson. So um, if you compare those two situations, it really seems as though the NHL went too light on Bertuzzo and just continues to exacerbate the uh, yeah just neglect on the NHL's part to crack down on these kind of incidents. Um, and really disappointing to see um, 
that the NHL didn't come down harder on Bortuzzo. One good news item from Calgary, Flames defenseman TJ Brody poised to return to action after, uh, if you remember, he collapsed on the ice during a practice on November 14th uh, with uh, a seizure. Uh, Subsequent medical exams did not uncover any significant concerns, so that's great to see and uh, glad to hear that Brody is doing well and will be back on the ice uh, sooner than later. That's it for today's podcast. This has been the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast for Monday, November 25th. Uh, Again, go back and watch highlights from Saturday's game if you're having the Monday Blues. And uh, we will be back tomorrow to preview a game against the Montreal Canadiens Tuesday evening. Thank you, as always, for listening. Please spread the word about the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast uh, with your friends and family. Any shares on social media would be much appreciated as well. And thank you for all the kind words and reviews to date. Uh, it's, it's really fun to do this every day, and uh, we'll be back at it tomorrow to talk more about our favorite hockey team, the Boston Bruins. Take care, friends. Have a good one.